Good afternoon, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, beans and bean cakes. You have pressed the button that allows you to listen to the Manchildian candidate. And congratulations on arriving on some of the finest literature <laughs> that you can ever hear. My name's G-Man. I'm sitting across from P-Boss this morning. Hello. Howdy, mate. This is exciting. Um... I we, I just want to segue into some current news. It's not that I'm not not curious about how you are or anything like that. So just don't be offended. Um, but I hold this subject very dear to my heart, G Fresh. All right. Um, are you sure one I'm of, not going <laughs> to? One, one of my favourite uh, characters in history is the Batman. Mm. Um. For so many reasons, uh, possibly not in the least that he's one of the few characters that has no superpowers. Um, yeah, a fascinating, dark um, sort of a character. There's a lot of Batman news, G Fresh. I mean, Tell, yeah, right. I'm hearing, I'm hearing some stuff, so I have to process it. For 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 example, I'm not sure if you're across the idea that um, for a while we were hearing whispers of Keating, Keating, Paul Keating is no good as Batman. He does, <laughs> well, I don't know. He, I haven't seen him yet. He might be great. He doesn't. Yeah, no, he's too <laughs> no. sloppy. Yeah. yeah, he's a bit yeah. sloppy. Bit dismissive yeah. of people's needs. Yeah. But Michael um, Keaton, yes, Keaton, far better. Far better. Argue. So, (laughs) Michael Keaton reprising his role as Batman. um, That's incredibly exciting because I I mean- Is it not? I love him as Batman. He's a fantastic Bruce Wayne. He's very awkward and quirky, which sort of, you know, summarizes Bruce Wayne to me. He's a traumatized fella, isn't he? Like, of course, he's an orphan and now he's got all this money in an old pokey mansion. What's he going to do with it? Make tight costumes with him and his (laughs) butler- (laughs) <laughs> Alfred, this codpiece yeah. is not large enough. <laughs> Alfred, please adjust my codpiece. Well, I've always found that he set the template in the bar so high for me. So the first two movies, Keaton, obviously, um, by his own volition, leaves uh, the series um, you know, obviously offered the third one, but takes a takes a thumb through it and goes, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm out. Yeah. So many things to be said about Keaton, but you know, we're talking about nineteen eighty nine, pre internet, you know, pre the outrage culture that we mm. know now. But there was some outrage. The studio received hundreds of letters, Cuzzy, um, in protest once uh, they announced that uh, Keaton was was the Batman because He'd really not done much of anything serious before that. Mm. Um, and probably most famous for Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice and yeah, yeah. Such, such wonderful productions as that. But uh, coming across at the same time in the, in the airways is that Ben Affleck is also rep- reprising um, his role as Batman. And this is just chocolatey, creamy goodness for me because, dude, quite honestly, man, they're probably two of my favourite Batman yeah, Affleck's up there for you, right? Yeah. I just I thought he was probably the only good thing about the DC Justice League reboot for mine. I, I yeah, I liked his portrayal. Yeah. Again, more of an older Batman. Um, yeah, he was a bit grizzled, it was a bit uh, he was a bit 
you know, fed up with certain things. He wasn't showing off his tech anymore. He just wanted to get stuff done. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what I see in that. Um, but, yeah, I've, I saw a trailer this morning, this very morning that you, in fact, sent to me. So we've got the same information here. Um, hey, I believe the uh, the Batman is scheduled for release in the coming, coming months, if not in 2021, um, with Robert Pattinson at the helm yes. as Batman. What's your opinion on that? My opinion is one of initial confusion. I guess this is what I'd like to process with you now before we go into the main event of our uh, our show today. But I guess what I realized was the seething, bubbling, multiple silo-like cauldrons that are going on in the DC world. So um, Robert Pattinson is, in fact, the Batman in the potentially-to-be-released 2021 The Batman uh, for those that haven't seen it, we'll we'll potentially put the trailer uh, in the in the liner notes on the page. Um, looks great. I mean, you know, wouldn't have taken you long, G Fresh, to go. Oh, that's the Riddler. Um, yeah, well, totally. But I got to say, like, it looks smashing. Yeah, but what's happening to me after watching that? I came away with a slight bit of ah. Is what I would say, because I have franchise fatigue, dude. Yeah. I really do. I get With, you. Um, you know, uh, Joaquin's performance as the Joker, that sort of like summarizes it all, really. That was just incredibly good. Yeah. Um, but goodness me, how many Batmans have we had in the last 15 years? Like all of them. It seems like there's the only horse that's worth flogging in the DC Universe's movie division. And it's sort of um, really got to do something. They're constantly trying to match up with Marvel's genius because they don't seem to be doing any wrong, Marvel. They haven't, they haven't misstepped yet, yet well, DC have. I guess the interesting thing is that if we if we go into more of you know the, the quote-unquote history of it, you know, Marvel made a ton of mistakes, but... They just, it's probably just fair to say, in terms of the cinematic universe, they have not made a mistake. Mm. Um, and also with, with DC in the cinematic universe, it's just been a poop shoot. And yeah. so, my, my thing is this it led me into all this research, sort of going, well, how can Pattinson be Batman? How can Affleck be Batman and how can Keaton be Batman? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and and it does it does seem it does seem like where we also have to incorporate the CW DC universe. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what your what your vibe or your experience with the CW universe, as in the TV shows, which which I was connected with but checked out. Um, left a few years ago. So obviously we're talking about Arrow, we're talking about Supergirl, we're talking about The Flash. Um, so the thing that potentially seems to be linking all of this is the the comic series storyline Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, okay. All right. Did you ever well, get into that back no, in the day? No, I didn't. No, so, no, I did not, sir. So that's unfamiliar to me, all of that wealth of um, history so, there. Yeah, so Crisis on Infinite Earths, not to not to go down too much of a wormhole, but in the cinema world, we're going to have Ezra Miller's Flash movie, which is going to really be the vehicle for Crisis on Infinite Earth on the screen. And that's where we're going to see Affleck as the younger Batman and Keaton as the older Batman in another universe. Now, 
doing all this research, I sort of realized, oh my god, they've been doing Crisis on Infinite Earths um, in in the CW universe. So, the long story short, man, I might have to reconnect with some of these TV shows, particularly when you go back and you look at Kevin Smith's involvement. Um, you know, he's d- directed a few episodes of. Uh, Supergirl, and yeah, apparently the CW universe is kind of recognizing him for the vehicle of plot creation that he mm-hmm. is, and he's almost um, being positioned in the CW world as like a like a mild Kevin Feige sort of sort of mm. figure. Because Pattinson, by the way, is doing kind of Batman Two, which means Batman kind of in year two. So if we look at that's why when we look at the trailer, he's got. You know, his clothes are sort of like bought from a surplus store. Like there's a close-up on the boots and they're just yeah, kind yeah. of generic stuff. So that that I could believe in terms of like that would be interesting. That, that's Batman year two, so very early. But, mm. I mean, where do you sit? Where, who's your who's your Batman? Aside from me, I know I am. <laughs> You'll always be my Batman, Beamoth. You really will. Yeah. It's hard to choose. you got to throw Val Kilmer and George Clooney straight under the bus because that was woeful. And that had a lot well to do with uh, the John Frankenheimer production where it got like a theme park. Gotham City was bright and neon and boring and just too over the top. Um, Nolan's, of course, uh, with uh, Christian Bale. He was a seething, scary dude. But it was almost it almost took itself too seriously. So there needs to be a happy medium in there. But, you know, they're running out of time for me, man, because uh, as I said, franchise fatigue, I'm like, do not give a good two flying turds about this. You know, in all honesty, that's that's the problem. And I fear that releasing this The Batman, they're not going to make, I'm sure they're not going to make the money that they wish to do so because it's gotten so convoluted and it's so confusing. Who is Batman? What does he do? Are we reinventing the story again? Are we going to have the same story again? We're going to see his parents get slain? Come on. I'm so bored by it. We already know that, you know, a hundred times over. How are they going to make it more interesting? In all honesty, I'm deeply concerned. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy with what I saw with Pattinson only from the perspective that in his early origins, the Riddler was a really interesting character because he was actually a crime fighter in a way. So he was actually rallying against corrupt um, officials within within Gotham, which were – so he was kind of like the – to the officials and the corrupt um, – mayor and all these sort of people he was kind of like the batman to them and so the only thing that i might find a bit interesting was in his original interactions with batman the riddler was going come on dude we actually do we actually we're the same let's actually join forces and kick some serious butt you need to stop running around on the streets and just kicking the ass out of gangs and stuff come with me to the snake's head um, and let's work. So that's the only thing that could be, could for mine be different or new. Because much, much love to Jim Carrey, but his his Riddler was just so campy and lacked any sort of modus operandi. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, well, purest Jan- geek John- warning. <laughs> well, that was the John Frankenheimer era, wasn't it? Then, and when they cast him, and um, wow, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger is uh, Mr. F- uh, Doctor Freeze or Mister Freeze. I can't remember if he's got a doctorate or not. No, Poison Ivy, Robin. Blah, blah. No, yeah. it sort of really sucked yeah. quite a bit. So, yeah. I, look, man, I tell you, I reckon they should leave it alone for a bit. Seriously, like honestly, and especially with like the 
the brilliance that was the Joker. That was a cerebral damn film. You know, you got to see the trauma and the chaos and the conflict inside this man. Compare that, of course, then to Jared Leto's attempt in oh, Suicide I, I, Squad. And you see, like, he? there we are. Exactly. Who's he? So we're getting franchise fatigue, man. And I think they just need to give it a bit of a rest. And bless Marvel's cotton socks because what they did was they did Endgame and then, of course, um, you know, Far From Home, the Spider Man, shortly after. But that's it. You know, there hasn't been the whole generation of other films that have properly come out yet. And bless them, you know, seriously. They, they are, in, in fairness, they are coming. Like there's well, totally, so, but- so many listed, but they're still under the guidance of guys like Kevin Feige. So well, there's still it, man. a like, universal, you know, direction to say. Yeah, yeah exactly. But And that's important because Endgame was the end Right, oh, in in so many fashions, and I'm glad that the studio decided. Cool, let's give the human race a couple of years off, and then we'll come back with a bang. Whereas DC is just going, like, oh god, oh god, we've got nothing. We've got Batman. We better do Batman again. Then we better do Batman again. It's got really cookie cutter, and I'm just sort of done with it. <clears throat> Are you interested in the in the Snyder cut that's also due for release next no, year? Like, no, I'm god. I'm I'm interested only in the level of curiosity to go. Yeah. I wonder what he wanted to do. That's flogging a dead horse. They can't even be bothered making a new film. They're just going to re-release the old film with the same generic rubbish. The story's not going to change. What actually happens is going to – well, it can't. Like, they, unless they're redoing the whole film. Anyway. Not sure. Yeah. No, so anyway, I'm making I'm, I'm, I'm making you angry, aren't I? I'm, yeah. I'm getting you cross. Yeah. I can Tiring. I can feel it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. That's good though. It's healthy. You know, I, I yeah. know where to project it and you know, angle it. It's fine. <laughs> and I'll have a nice meditation later with a with a chai tea, and I'll sit back and oh, listen. Good you know? listen to yeah. you. No, Fantastic. Anyway, Fantastic. that's a little brief synopsis of what's happening in the uh, in the Batman slash film world at the moment. But today we've got a show jam packed with jam. Uh, with jam would be nice. No, we're going to be talking today about open worlds in video games and what they are, some really fine examples, seeing if we can get the uh, quantifiable uh, Manchildian candidate, um, you know, list of honour to uh, take place in the Qantas Lounge this afternoon. Will we get there? And going to try and work out what the difference between an open world and a sandbox game is, because they are stark differences, even though they sound like they might be rather familiar, even if you are an aficionado of such things. So we're going to be launching straight in. And um, P-Boss, how are we going to roll with this, man? Do you want to throw at me a suggestion for a really fantastic open world that got you? I guess before that, we might just try to work out. I mean, let's let's imagine I don't know much about the game gaming world, I mean, what's a what's an open world game, G Man? What what do what do you define as an open world game, Cuz, or a, or a sandbox? And what is the difference? Yeah, okay. Well, an open world game is a game where you generally have a world map, quite a large one, and that is your device, and you can choose to play this game in almost. Any order that you like, there'll be a series of missions, series of quests uh, out there for your grabbing or completion, and you can do that in any real order that you please, which is really quite lovely, as opposed to what we would normally- Did you say grabbing, out there for your grabbing? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, you got to grab stuff. (laughs) Oh, dude. You just do. You know, things by the collar, bull by the horns, all that sort of grabbing. Good, Um, good. Yeah. Yeah, whereas like a sandbox game would be something a little bit more like- 
Minecraft or Gary's Mod or Red Faction Gorilla, in which you actually have tools to manipulate your environment completely, whether that be terrain deformation or building or destruction, this sort of thing. So when you compare GTA, for instance, we're going to go into this a little bit more depth, but a Grand Theft Auto, where you're given this amazing state-sized platform and arena for you to hang out in, but there's no real you never really change what that looks like. You can interact with it mostly, but you can't actually change it. So a sandbox game to me is something that you actually do manipulate. Like Red Faction Guerrilla had a, uh, a terrain deforming ability where you can pretty much tunnel your way through a hill if you wanted to. And that's really quite fascinating. So that's it is in an open world, but you've actually got a tool set in order to play like a sandbox i suppose yeah so that's my little synopsis how'd that sound it sounds fantastic and i think the only no really uh, i'll be i'll be grabbing that uh i think for me the only other point of distinction might be that these types of games that we're talking about you can connect with the main plot line at your will yeah um so you you don't you're not for example on rails, as as we've described other games, on rails, where it's pretty much you've got to go through that door, you've got to go yeah. through there. Like a linear experience. Um, a linear, great word. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the distinction point is that you can connect with the main driving plot line at your will, which yeah. is Or just, not at all, if you or, don't want or to. Not, like, yeah, or not yeah. much at all, which is just yeah. rad. Yes, I mean, really I, I, I think that's the only thing that, that um, I get a bit, shirty with over the years is just don't take away my choice like give me more choices in my games don't you know don't just push me through a funnel because i don't know man like yeah we've been there done that that's exactly right and look it's been an era that's been it's rife rife with open world games you're you know you struggle to find uh, a game on the shelf at wherever you shop that's not an open world or a sports game anymore you know Mm -hmm. and even a lot of racing games have lent themselves to open worlds lately like uh, Burnout Paradise and Test Drive Unlimited these places are massive and you can take on any race at any time you like at your whim or just drive around because you fancy it but what I want to mention straight up is it's not necessarily the first, but I would say that it's up there. It's released in 1986 for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it's Legend of Zelda. Amazing. This is one of the first... I don't know if it's truly a true open-world game. It's definitely um, a free-roaming game because you have certain amounts of choice in there as to where you go and which missions to undertake. But it was the first game, really, that allowed you to explore such an expansive world at your whim. You didn't have to go through that wall if you didn't want to. You could go the other way or you could go up. You could go, you know, this was quite a phenomenal thing. And... A fantastic, actually engaging story on an 8-bit console. Man, saving the world of Hyrule had never been more pleasing. In fact, we'd never done it before. So this was a real, real sort of springboard, I think. Um, Fantastic device there by Nintendo to get that out in 86. You know, that was really the beginning of it. And Zelda games as a franchise haven't abated since. They've always kept the same formula and it's always sort of been in the same universe. You know, it's always been in Hyrule. There's always been the same creatures to slaughter and similar items to pick up all the way through it, but with varying degrees of, you know, uh, freedom. 
And yes. Breath of the Wild, which we will probably discuss a little bit later, is oh. a shining, shining example for the Nintendo Switch. Now, I bought a Switch for that game, and that was not a waste of money. That yeah. is the most tactile world that I've enjoyed in a long time. You yeah, see a mountain, you can climb it. It's that simple. Yes. They're not any natural barriers for you. You know, you can just pretty much go in a straight line. As long as you've got enough stamina, you can climb damn near anything. And, you know, that was just brilliant, my dude. Just brilliant. Yeah, so Zelda to me, yeah, what a fantastic sort of introductory entry um, and a household name into the uh, the open world genre. Huge, yeah. my brother, huge. Well, excellent on a couple of levels there. I feel like if you were trying to provide an open world definition, you'd just go, well, have a look at this. And again, point of distinction, because for mine, I do think it's pretty safe to say that they kind of, I want to say invented, maybe I have to edit that to pioneered, but- um, Pioneered is a much better way of saying it anyway. I do believe that they were, you know, as far as my experience in this this thing that we call Earth, um, they invented it for me. I didn't didn't know what what an open world was until I saw that. And I remember thinking to myself, what do you do? And we will keep referring to this. It was an in an era where video games were smarter in that they required you to be smarter. So there wasn't a, a, a flashing icon, again, saying, go over here, do this. You know, it was it was to be explored, and the and the explorer was rewarded. You know, that's right. And I think I think it's because of that game that in every other open world game, I'm that guy. I'm the serial explorer. Yeah, like dude. I will search every damn room, man. I'll, you know, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna allude to another world later on, but yeah, man, I was the guy. I, fu- I found all the Nern roots, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, um, you did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> but know, that's a compelling thing too, isn't it, about the open world? Because you can complete side quests or just wander around and do all this and, you know, grind in a little way to make sure that you're up sufficient levels, so you think, to just wander through the main quest, slashing and exactly. hacking away without too much care in the world. And that's exactly. um, that's compelling. And I think if you're playing an open world game and you don't grind, dude, you're not doing it right. No one well, why have you got the them? open world? Why yeah, have you got right. the open world if you don't yeah. want to grind? I mean, uh, otherwise, yeah, like let me go off and develop and grow and do all the things that I should be doing in IRL. Let me do it in this world so that when I come back to the main plot line, you know, it's a lot easier. Why yeah, can't exactly. I just feel why can't I just feel like a gleaming god in some, you know, in some part of it? That's what I'm paying my dollars for, cousin. man. You know, let me be that guy. (laughs) I want to be the Terminator, bro. Um, And that's what's so that's what's so fun about it. It's it's my choice. Um, Yeah, exactly. What a you know what a what a sterling example, brother. Yeah, glad you brought it up. Thank you. And just before we move on, I want to just pay note that it's not my favorite game of all time, but it is many people's favorite game of all time is the Ocarina of Time on the 64. Oh, um, now you've, now the, you've gone up the real It was the real 3D sort of introduction to this. Oh, man, that was that's a lot you of bits, completely man. bypassed 32 and went up to 64. I love that's this. what we do, man. It's what we do. Yeah. All right, my brother. So there's like a little introduction for our dear listeners on what we think a an open world game in fact is um so so what sort of you got a little little hidden gem there for me well i'm going to preface my answer by saying that well i guess we're going for a Qantas lounge today but 
you know, it's this is probably the hardest Qantas lounge that we've tried to populate, you know, thus far, wouldn't you say? I'd say so, um, man, yeah. It's, it's it's a, been, every it's time a, I come up with one, there's another three going, um, I excuse know, me. <laughs> you know, yeah. So we're both sitting here. We're both bringing five to the table. Maybe there'll be some honorable mentions um, and we'll try to, you know, I'm expecting that we'll cross over on a couple. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we'll see, we'll see if we can, you know, get people up, up to the bar with the canapes, who knows, but I'm going to go with Red Dead Redemption. Um, ah, very good. And I know, yes, thank you. And I know that, um, I know that you would expect me to say Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, I would, yes. And I would happily, happily accept that as a, you know, as a bar nuts sniffer on the bench. I'm actually going to go with just, I guess, for nostalgia and it's the first time that I saw that world, I'm going to go with the world of Red Dead 1. Okay. Okay, that's interesting, man, because that that's a fantastic game from the last generation. Like one oh. of um, Rockstar Games' first forays outside of... Um, of the Grand Theft Auto universe, but it's also a sequel. Red Dead Revolver was a, a, a precursor to that, but didn't give you that open world. That was a more linear experience. I found Red Dead Revolver very, very linear, and I liked it. I didn't love it. It was kind of like I, I could see what you're getting at. I, you know, I get what you're trying to do. Yeah. But I felt like they actualized the dream with Red Dead 1. Yeah, and for those those playing at home, as much as for you, my good G Fresh, I mean, I'd not seen it before that first moment where you took your first steps into Mexico. Oh, dude! And the scene just opened up, and the beautiful acoustic pluckings of Jose have just came on, and I remember just having epic feels, like, dude. Yeah. You know, this is why we play video games. Yeah. Like, I want moments like that. Sitting there by myself as I was, happy as the happy as Larry, just and, and being wowed, just sitting there going, oh, That's oh, it, though. The, That's a wow factor in that oh, game. Brother. That's a very, very beautiful moment, dude. And it's a put your controller down occasion if you weren't actually controlling it the whole time. Like, it I would have sat back and just gone, oh. Wow. It was a welcome sequence. It was like, I am not skipping this. A smaller world relative to Red Dead 2, but, you know, not, not... not exceptionally small, mm. it still gave you that expansive idea of just going, okay, I'm just going to go over there and see what happens. Yeah, that's right. Um, which, which obviously they capitalised far, you know, they really opened the whole universe with Red Dead 2. But travelling that world as John Marsden, hearing that gravelly voice, my brother, yeah. combined, combined with, you know, uh, just rabbits and animals running across your path. and Also, can I just say, like, hearkening back to, like, um, what Rockstar later picked up was Max Payne and oh. an amazing slowdown of time, a bullet time where you could freeze time, well, slow down time, not quite freeze it, but then mark your targets perfectly, almost in your own time, and then 100%. press R1, let it all play out, and everyone's finished, you know? What a satisfying way to decimate folk. <laughs> it really well, is, at, isn't it? As they've done in so many of their video games, they've gone, all right, what's the essence? What do, what do, what does the player want to do in this world? Yeah. All right, you want to be a badass gunslinger? Cool, dude. This is this is our imagination of maybe what it's like to be a badass gunslinger. Yeah. So 
you know, there's there's a real there's real allusions to um, there's Easter eggs in it. You know where they're where they're dropping references to you know the outlaw Josie Wales. They're they're <laughs> you know they're they're dropping references to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, it's just it was just done so beautifully and gets in gets into my Qantas Lounge application line ahead of Red Dead Two. Just for the fact that I hadn't seen it done before like yeah, that. That's interesting, man. Because I just want to throw something out there. In uh, 2004, before Red Dead Redemption was a thing, um, a little company named Neversoft, who'd pretty much only touched oh, oh, oh. Tony Hawk games, created a, a Wild West open world shooter, much similar, very similar to what Rockstar would later create, and it was called Gun. And Good it was, pull, man. It was really Good quite pull. a cool game. That was the first time I was actually a cowboy, you know, that you had a lasso, you had a six-shooter and a rifle and a shotgun and off you go. Good luck, man. And it sort of lended itself really interestingly because uh, Neversoft, as I said, did the Tony Hawk games, which is slick, fast, divisive, flashy and all that, and it kind of had that in the Wild West. It had these little things that you had to do and it was always really stylish, man. And um, yeah, yeah, so that, that's just an interesting uh, game of note for me is Gun and I think it gets overlooked. Yeah. I definitely loved Gun, but it, it didn't have the expansive, it didn't feel like you were breathing dust. Yeah. Red Dead 1 just oh, felt no. like you could smell smell the Spinifex and you could you were you were tasting the dust, man. Yeah, like, it was dirty. It was I always used to get blood, thirsty man. playing that game, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? For fire water as well, man. Come on, get into that. Hundred percent. And Hot and uh, the gentleman that uh, was voicing Marsden was that just such a gravelly, such a distinctive yeah. voice. And and you know, massive kudos to Rockstar to to then kick the door open with Red Dead Two and go, Well, it says Red Dead Two, but it's a prequel. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so classy, isn't it? There's just one little thing, little, little tidbit that John Marsden would say in Red Dead 1. It was when he was like skinning or plucking any sort of animal. He's got a series of things, you know, yes. pre, pre-programmed uh, little bits that he's going to say. And one of them is he's carving up a dude. doesn't matter what it is. He says, oh, what did you eat? It's yeah. just yeah. whatever that is, it's a, oh, that's a disgusting beast. It's usually an armadillo yeah. or something, you know. It's just fantastic. Horrible. And I yeah. guess I guess uh, another maybe another point of difference, and I probably shouldn't compare it to gun, but um, and maybe for me this is the this is the an important ingredient in making open worlds feel like I'm inhabiting them. Was Red Dead One was one of my first memories of. NPC non-player characters being done really well. Great voice yeah. acting, great yep. depth, great story to them. You know, it was like a twelve. There was a twenty-four hour time cycle and a whole weather system. So, Hundy you P. know, all of the characters, and it's it's just polished in Red Dead Two. Like you would not believe, like. Everyone, every NPC in the world that populates it has a routine, and it's not just the daily routine; it's a weekly thing. Every day of the hour, in the hours, right? They do a different thing. Like there'll be a guy leaning on something at four in the afternoon, then he takes himself off to the bar to get a little bit wasted, staggers home, and then in the morning he gets up and goes to work. Like they really do have this fleshed-out living world feel that nothing else really has compared to in a lot of I ways. Know. They sort of they sort of taught me how to live. Like I was studying them. I know. Going, oh, that's yeah. what it's like to have a routine. Very good. 
In Red Dead 2 in particular, there are so many animals to document, slay, and do all of this sort of stuff that I learned about so many different sorts of larks that inhabit certain larks. parts of the state. It's incredible. It's like what? It's like your own David Attenborough thing. You know, it's like, oh, there's a wow. beautiful creature. Boom, boom, boom. And you <laughs> fill it full of lead and put it in your backpack and sell it a bit yeah. later. It was yeah. really rich, though, wasn't it? Really, really yeah. rich. Yeah, you're yeah, a bird watcher, that. but only, only, only digital birds in the yeah. continent of America. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to hear more about larks. Oh, wait a minute! I can tell you all about larks, man. <laughs> all right, we're going to springboard ahead out of Rockstar's uh, absolute legendary piece of literature there, and um, Avalanche Studios is another studio to mention, oh. and what they created uh, is a, another little franchise, almost off the back of Grand Theft Auto, um, in a way, just for open world and traversal, how you actually get around. And um, Just Cause 3 in particular is the one that I want to mention, set on an Amazing. island called Medici, or a series of islands in a faux Italian-esque sort of theme. And it's just bafflingly huge. It's actually a thousand square kilometers, genuinely. It's a very, very okay. large place to inhabit. But what I'm bringing this one up for is like, I did not give two left testicles about the storyline. I didn't even bother going to the missions because what they give you, and this I think is more of a sandbox game than an open world game, gives okay. you these amazing tools to enjoy at your leisure in this world and the two to three tools that i really want to mention are the grappling hook the oh, parachute dude. and the wingsuit if you get a combination of this happening you can grapple onto a car then release and then launch your chute and then when you get a height enough you can drop the chute then you've got oh. a wingsuit dude you basically fly over the island if you're good enough to do it the cars, there's thousands, there's hundreds of cars for you to choose from, and helicopters and planes. I've got all the vehicles that you can, you know, you can use, but you don't use any of them because you can fly. And yeah. that's all I did. <laughs> I just cruised around. I waited for me to get the uh, the trophy. It was like, uh, don't need the ground or whatever that was. And that's an entry Epic. for me. Not not the Qantas Lounge entry, but just for the fact that. The world was so fun to traverse and destroy that I didn't give a damn about the story. That was my story. I was creating my own story. That was my metagame, you know? Yes. So Avalanche Studios, just cause, not just three. The others are also awesome. But number three for me was the one I put the most time into and flew that whole damn island, my dude. I tell you what, multiple times. <laughs> Yes, yeah. A buddy of mine went way deep um, in one or two or one and two, and and I remember it. It would just be just be assumed you'd be trying to contact him and be like, "Hey, man, what have you been doing?" And he'd be like, "Oh, not much." And it's like, "Yeah, you've been, you know what I've been doing." <laughs> Why do you even ask anymore, man? <laughs> you've been firing grappling hooks into domestic aircraft, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, but the best bit was you could actually attach the grappling hook to things. So you could yes. you could attach a car, you could attach it to a car and then shoot it off to a building and then reel it in. So all of a sudden the car's like boom, it's up on the top of the building. Then you release it on some unsuspecting dudes and dude, you got yourself a game. <laughs> I so, feel like I feel like in some ways it was quite still quite underrated or a sleeper hit. Like um, yeah. I reckon it came it came sort of in a time where you know potentially that that genre or that open world was, I guess, pretty occupied or populated. But um, yeah, I I remember only 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 interacting for it a bit, maybe maybe five ten hours, which is not much for me, and just being blown away, just going, "This is raucous! This is raucous fun! This is crackers!" Like, um, 
well, sorry, what's the thing? What's, what's the storyline? What am I supposed to be doing? No, that's right. Because I don't let the, the story or the main character get in the way. It doesn't even really matter. <laughs> I mean, you play a guy named man. Rico, but no one cares. <laughs> like it's, yes. not a, it's not a big deal. He's just yeah. my agent in destruction, and I'm going to damn right. enjoy that. I tell you. Yeah, yeah. He was just a, he was un, under your fingers. He was just a merchant of mayhem, oh, my friend. Oh. And that's Jesus, dude. That's all. That's all you can ask for. Um, you know, in, so maybe maybe that's what I'm noticing is occurring with these games that we've spoken about already. Is that you know the plot's fun, the storyline's fun as hell, but you know just causing mayhem is arguably Dad. as fun, or if not more. I mean, yeah. you know, we've we're going to I imagine we're going to unpack it in some more depth um, in a moment. But yeah, GTA Five, GTA Four, all of those for me was just like ah, oh, I'm just going to get the you know get the thing up, you know, flashing red so the jacks. Just chasing after me. Yeah. Honestly, I did that. Actually, I did that in Red Dead Two a lot as well. It's just like I'm just gonna, you know, get some lawmen after me so I can blaze them and take all their stuff and sell it to a you know bootleg shop. That's oh, one of the best parts of the best parts. Revenue of the game. raising, man. Revenue. Oh, raising. exactly, exactly. So well, anyway, that's one of my entries there, my bro. Avalanche Studios, Dude, Just Cause. Epic. Thank you so mm. much for that oh. one. Um. Bro, I am going to move on to Far Cry 3. Okay. Now, again, again, much as I did with Red Dead, I, I really did think about putting down Far Cry 1 um, just first and foremost because, yeah, again, really hadn't seen it before. But for me, man, in terms of like the world, because we're trying to focus as much, if not more, on the world as opposed to just the game. Yeah. Oh, brother, running around on the Rook Islands was just amazing. And, and who's your character in that, Jason Brody? It's it probably nudges towards a smaller open world. Like you'd have to say, this is probably the smallest open worlds of the one that we're going to mention, yeah. and it probably did require you to stay engaged on the storyline to a certain extent, but. Oh, cousin! It was just, it was just so much fun, um, and and to use the landscape, the fire mechanic, and it was ridiculous. Uh, you could just no, that was big, like you could just you could you could weaponize fire in just watching the mechanic of the fire spread and everyone panicking and reacting yeah. and then using that mayhem to, you know, take people down. It was just weaponizing fire. Yeah. You know, the only time I saw that beforehand in an open world game, my bro was Far Cry 2. It's sort of, that's, that's know, right. Set in the savannas of, uh, I think it was uh, South Africa or wherever they were and, Boy, Correct. that fire moved quickly, man, you know? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. But yeah, Ubisoft, that's a fine entry, actually, because Ubisoft have got a... Um, I'm not going to take this too far away from Far Cry 3 at all, but they've got a, a format that seems to have been really refined in Far Cry 3. And yes. what sort of gets to me, I think, is what they constantly do, and it even blends over into the Assassin's Creeds, is that they have got a paint-by-numbers sort of map system. You can see just about everything that you can possibly do on the map at once, which sort of takes away some organic uh, exploration. You see it your does. mountain range, you're like, well, gee, I'm going to go over there. There must be something great. You look on the map, nope, that's the edge of the world. Nothing to explore. Yeah. All the stuff's yeah. over here. Stop looking over there. Yeah. So that's sort of where Ubisoft sort of, um, I don't know, drops the ball a bit, but they don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that that in itself is unpleasant to do. It's just um, the organic exploration really doesn't exist in a lot of ways for that. 
Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, like these ones probably nudge right, right the edge of 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 sort of saying, well, is it is it really an open world? Like, if we're comparing it to some of these other others that we're going to mention, again, your your rock stars, your Bethesda studios, where mm. it's pretty much if you can see it, you know, you can you can get there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but look, and I guess the other reason that I—it's a bittersweet thing for me, bro. Far Cry, um, Far Cry Three, because I think it was all downhill from there. And 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 I'm a guy that's—I've—I've—I've I've, I've done I've done the latest one. You know, I've done whatever they're up to five. Number five, um, yeah. Um, which was which was, well, it was good. It was okay. Just, it was you've fun. Done it. You've just it done just, it, right? Like, yeah. It was. It was just a bit beige. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder is it because of also the villain? Like Vas uh, was po- he goes down in my history book as one of the best gaming villains. Yeah, I'm with you there, dude. Absolutely. Cousin. Absolutely. And that I think is a whole other show as well, man. Best gaming villains. Write it like, down. <laughs> that's already written down. Cuz that's the thing, you know, when you get a film and you've got an hour and a half to set up why the antagonist is so grumpy and why he's antagonizing, whereas in the game, in a game you've got 30 hours or more to yeah. really hate this person and they can, you know, they can do so much over the course of 30 hours and by the end and you're absolutely got them against the wall and you get to slay them it feels so much better. There's absolutely something about better. that. And yeah, vast, vindication. Man. What an incredible yeah. bad guy. So well acted, so well done. Incredible, man, and set set the benchmark. So the other thing that I love about an open world game, and and definitely Far Cry, you know, qualifies as this, is that I can choose my play style. So I can choose to be like the sniper type guy. I can be the special forces sniper type guy. I can go in with a silenced pistol like Jason Bourne. You know, I can do it. I can do it a number of ways, or I can go loud, or I can, yeah. you know, ex- yeah. execute mayhem using fire. Um, that to me is just superb. Like that, yeah. like that'll get that'll get multiple playthroughs from me. Hundred percent. You know, and that like, was refined in that one too, man. That, it really, as was, you say, dude. like the uh, the being able to approach any mission, uh, especially just even taking out outposts. You know, you got to wipe out 100%. a couple and regain control. Yes, taking them out in any fashion you thought fit. And often what happens is you start sort of silently. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do everyone really, really quietly. No one's going to know I'm here. Something goes badly. Cool. Get to go loud. Bum, 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 bum. Go loud. And you wipe them all, you know. It's oh, you do both. Thrill. You do both. You, you yeah. rock up. You're like, all right, there's dudes in the tower. I'm going to clip them. You know, no one's going to hear me come. I'm going to clip those cats in the tower. Oh, there. Whoever's kind of walking on the perimeters, all right, you get a wet T-shirt. Bang, bang, bang. You kind of keep going until someone notices. And then you go, all right. Yeah. Time for the it's it's Kalashnikov clock. Let's That's go, right. you know. Let's pump some seven six two into some dudes, um, and and you know you've got yourself a, you've got yourself a party. Like I'm a happy happy little camper. So, bro, for me it's it's Far Cry three, which with much respect to Far Cry one for just yeah. like what inventing what? it. <laughs> see, see, well, yes, and also yeah. Far Cry one was probably right in that era of of smarter. It wasn't exactly clear. What you what what you were to be doing, whereas by the t- you know, Far Cry Three starts to show the cracks in the pitch. It it is a bit more like, hey hey, over here, do this, you know. Whereas Far Cry One was still a bit more of like, oh, I've got, I don't know, what should I be doing, you know? Yeah, which yeah, exactly, which which pisses some people off, but 
Not me, sir. I'm no. the opposite. Don't yeah, tell no, me I'm what totally to do. With you on that I'm one. Zach, like, I'm Zach Della Rocca playing a video game. Like, don't tell me <laughs> to do yeah. what you. I'm not going to do what you told me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. No, I love it. Uh, it's a shame that Jason Brody as a character is an absolute douchebag. I didn't in- yeah, like he's every now and then when he got slain by a cassowary, or I thought I could land the jump and it was a bit too high, and he died. I'm like. Yeah, good. <laughs> he yeah. deserved it. But then yeah. I'll slay in a minute. You know, once I reload, everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, good entry there, bro. Yeah, bro. What do you got, son? There are some impressive statistics out there when it comes to open worlds and the things that human beings have, in fact, created. And I want to yes. drop two on you in rapid succession, if you don't mind. Do it. Do um, it. Just out of sheer intrigue because of the Ooh. technological wonder that these are. In fact, if I in- had a sound effect, I'd go like make an intriguy sound effect. Well, we've but got I post, don't, so. post-production. We'll get onto that straight up. We need to get you a yeah. soundboard. In 1996, the second official entry in the Elder Scrolls series oh. uh, was n- oh. it was number two, and it was Daggerfall. Now, to many, oh. this was just remarkable. It allowed you to take on the role of a character of your creation and explore a, a realm that is so large. This has got a ridiculous statistic to it, man. I, I'm going to Whip out some stats real quick. It's uh, 161,000 square kilometers. Now, that is so ridiculously, unfathomably large. It's akin to the size of uh, England and parts of Europe all combined. Genuinely. Foot for foot, virtual step. That's how big it is. It was populated by 750,000. Thousand NPCs across fifteen thousand towns. This was done in ninety six. Admittedly, it looked like crumbs, you know. But part of the battle there, and there's a method of um, programming that I want to discuss, um, and it will blend nicely into something a bit more modern soonish. But it's called procedural generation. Yes. Now, when a you know a programmer or a designer doesn't have enough time to physically create and draw every single object that might be trees, rocks, landscapes, NPCs themselves, etc., etc., then mm-hmm. an algorithm is programmed with uh, resources um, and assets that the, the, the programs are put in there, and then it's computer-generated randomness, seemingly, set to these specific rules that yes. have you know appeared and so most of the landscape in Daggerfall was this um, which saved a hell of a lot of time in programming just meaning you had to do the story and the basic models and then program the procedural generated world and then it yes. took care of itself so when you're walking along it's like oh well it kind of just created itself as I walked along it's yes. absolutely baffling and I'll get to a little game called No Man's Sky a little bit later to discuss wow. about procedural generations and its greater ramifications in uh, building worlds yes. the second game I would really like to mention here is a game that I've not spent much time in, but it's arguably one of, if not the most popular game on the face of the planet, and it's populated by humans that aren't us, PBOS, aka people who were born in the 70s slash 80s, and it's Minecraft. Minecraft is an unfathomably large realm. If you sew all of the worlds together that people are creating and inhabiting, this arguably isn't an open world. It is a sandbox because of the manipulation of terrain, etc. The et resources and That's the right. building. And the, yep, exactly. Yep. But it's, it's so ridiculously big, I can't really understand what the number is that I'm looking at. It's got so many zeros. It's about 4 billion Square kilometers. 
genuinely. And before No Man's Sky, this was is the largest single creation the humans has ever created. It is equivalent to the size of our very own planet Neptune's surface, genuinely, but in a digital form. Dude, it is ridiculous the size of this place, I'm telling you. So to all those Minecrafters out there, you are doing an incredible thing. Please keep expanding. Before we know it, will be the size of Saturn, then onto Jupiter. Who knows? We're going galactic on this one, P-Boss. I'm telling you. So thanks to all the Minecrafters who are creating the greatest, greatest digital structure that the world has ever seen. How's, uh, how's Uranus coming along? It's uh, dusty. Yeah, yeah, it's dusty. You know, we move yeah. on to that next time, though, don't okay. we? Yeah, no, good one. Yeah, good one, though, man. That's great. Amazing. <laughs> I feel like with those numbers, dude, I feel like we're doing this the, the space show again. That is I know. That is incredible. Yeah, well, it is. And I will say, I will say that I've really only had a nodding as passing in the hall relationship with Minecraft. You know, I've never really, I've never really I don't know. I think it might be a generation gap sort of thing. It doesn't feel like playing to me. Um, but, yeah, man, cats get into it. And I have so much respect for that. Like, that is that is just an amazing thing. And and to go back to what you were saying about the procedural generation, um, that has its wins and its losses, doesn't it, as it does, an experiencer yeah. of the game? So, um, you know, on one hand, you could argue that um, that's fantastic to, to create a game of that size. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but how many people are actually going to experience yeah. that true vastness? And we've all sort of know what it's like when we go into sections of worlds like that and the procedural generation is just wigging out and it's like, okay, that dude's half hanging out of a tree. <laughs> that's and- <laughs> right. He is half tree. Yeah, <laughs> He's exactly. half a tree. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. apparently how um, – and, and the great enemy, or at least at the very start, because I'm so unfamiliar, is the creepers and they come out at night time and they come at yes. you. If you don't Dude. build a structure – um, safely you during down, your so. first day, they will come and get you. And apparently, that's a bit of a ghost in a machine. The programmer didn't actually mean to create the creepers. He was trying to create God. something else. And this weird thing happened where they went upright, and they were supposed to be like the shape of pigs, you know. F- but they went upright and started just following you relentlessly. Don't and tell and me he this. said, "Hell, I'm just keeping them in. That is terrifying." <laughs> so it's like, what a perfect accident, you know? So what, it's you, what you're telling me is this idiots created like the pig. Pixels of Skynet. Yes. Like these yeah. guys are all going to get together and, oh, dude. Yep. That's where it begins, no. man. I always thought it would. <laughs> I knew it. Da, da, it begins with Skynet. Da, 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 you know? God damn. Anyway, so there's just a couple of statistical entries, man, because I find it fascinating and I think it needs to be said. Yeah, um, yeah. I will discuss because uh, my final entry into the uh, very impressive statistical realm is going to be a Qantas Lounge lounge entry and i'm going to save that for just a little bit later and i think i mentioned oh, no man's sky a couple of times going to talk about it <laughs> i think he's talking to you <laughs> um fantastic well dude i can't wait um i'm going to if you don't mind i'm going to uh throw one towards the door please um and that would that would be fallout three so ah. again, a, a number three here we yes. go um, so in terms of the open world running around the, the Commonwealth, which, um, which we sort of understand to be a post-apocalyptic wasteland, you know, version of Washington, um, gosh, man, for me, it's almost going to come down to sort of, you know, two, two developers here. It's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, Bethesda's, you know, obviously going to be one of them, but cousin, I mean, 
I, I just I remember just being riveted by this, by this beautiful open world that was on one hand so beautiful and so compelling, and on the other hand, not really cutting edge graphics mm. at the time. It wasn't, mm. you know, but there was a style to it, son. Yes, there was a there was a fifties aesthetic, doesn't it? And um, there was a tone, yeah. like even if it, yeah. things were kind, of, it was like the, everything had more of a sepia type lens to it. I don't know what it was, but. That was a oh, graphical man. thing that was happening at the time of Fallout 3 as well. Everything was sort of browns and greys and sepia, as yes. you said, which is really interesting, actually. Yeah, yes. it was a funny little Which era. is kind of, I guess, you know, after you pop off a couple of nukes, I suppose that's what you're going to get predominantly. Well, yeah, it was pretty accurate. Yeah, but um, you, you are mentioning the third one, and there were two earlier than that. There were uh, two. And they were both isometric RPGs in, in a similar sort of open world realm. But this yeah. was the Whoa. first time that... And Bethesda got hold of this coming off the back of uh, Oblivion. I believe it came after oh, yeah, Oblivion. Yes. Correct. And um, they um, they turned it to 3D with first-person model that you just would not believe, man. I love oh. that game. Love it. Oh. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how compelling I found it, you know, from the from the moment we hear that crackly fifties radio, uh, you know, and we're and we're emerging from the vault, or you know, the first the first whole sequences, you know, within the vault, it was just so well Dude, done. You literally get born in that game, like Dude. you come out of your mum and you see it, and your eyes blink open, and there's your dad played by Liam Neeson, and yes, you live yeah. your first time in the vault. You spend twenty years in the vault before you. Out you go. They um, do that. They yeah. do that, man. Bethesda, they get their early characters, you know, they get their Liam Neesons, they get their Patrick Stewarts, you yeah. know, they get they get these voices early on in the game. It almost just sets the tone. It does. Um, to give it some sort of weight. And, you know, even even by the time you stumble out of the vault and you emerge out of the vault, dude, it's what I it's I guess what I imagine it sort of would be like. Like, you know, you just you come out of the vault and you hear the wind and the whoosh, and, and it's ultra bright all of a sudden and like it's and, too much. It's and really there you busy. are. It's like okay, yeah. What are you going to do, man? What yeah. are you? Where are you going to go? do? Yeah, yep. You and know, again, water. You know, you need food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know that if you know there's there's random animals out here. If you hang out here, like you know, it's not going to be good. Um, and you start to, you know, you start to do that that sort of formulaic idea that I guess originated in role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons of going I start off with the iron broadsword and then I work up to the to the steel broadsword and then I, I, eventually I'll get the ebony armor or whatever it yeah. is you know what I mean um, yeah. and well that's the thing that Fallout did as well very well like the first two did it oh. incredibly well and that's not they're not the first to do it but giving you an actual conversation tree where you talk to an NPC and oh. your choices matter big time to the overall um, world as well. And they that do. was sort of a, a wow moment for me in uh, Fallout 3 is when you've got, you get initially after a few missions, the first sort of big, big decision that you have to make is that the town of Megaton is built around a fallen oh, yet unexploded so nuke. So weighty. And then it's your choice whether you A, disarm the nuke or B, Team up with these jerkwads elsewhere and get in genocide. <laughs> My God. And I tell you what, I've done both and it's somewhat satisfying 
committing to evil. Yet what happens is you do get directly punished because Megaton is a cool town to you know exist in and cruise around, and they give you a house and everything. It's fun to look at. It's absolutely gone. It's Traders. actually gone, and you can't go there anymore. So real world ramifications. Um, real in-game world ramifications on that Absolutely. one. Big choices, man. Absolutely. Insane. Some weird, some weird Roman centurion factions running around. Like, oh, the Brotherhood you know, of Steel. Come on. Yeah, oh man, That's the power amazing. armor. Like the whole. Yep. You know the Vats, the Vats aiming system, because it was an interesting game. Because as a pure first-person shooter, oh man, you could almost say it was clunky as hell. Yeah, well, um, you know what I mean. It, I yeah. wouldn't. I would never just dis- describe. I mean, you know, obviously it's an RPG, but um, it held its own as a shooter. It was still fun, but yeah, it was just. It just. Ha- it was like you were in a book, man. Yeah, you know, and that to me is just like we've alluded to in in podcast discussions before, man. My my earliest understandings of choice in literature and game and art where choose your own adventures man you know i yes, started with the you know the abominable snowman and books like that and it's like what you mean i can make a choice and go to page 34 or page 72 <laughs> yeah. of course as a as a kid i'd go to both and work out which oh, of course you do you, you know, don't want to die you don't want to get there yep. and read a whole paragraph it's like you are now dead you know and that's where and um, of course that evolved for me brother to um to to fighting fantasy the about to say know, steve jackson, steve jackson oh. ian livingston books cuz shivers yeah, you know, the Warlock of something. Firetop Mountain, brother. Yep. Like Armies know. of Darkness, you name it. Dude. 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 I know. I know. They've actually started to uh, digitize those as well, which is really amazing. Oh. You can get them on the, the PS4 and the Xbox and the Switch. I haven't endeavored to give it a whirl. Got to go there. Well, I'm, I've am i got one sitting upstairs that's just been downloaded, and I'm kind of excited, you know? Oh, I man. really, really we should am. Do, we should do a playthrough, bro. We should do a that's playthrough. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, that'd be great to see what's happened to those books, because they were divisive in my interest in this uh, fantasy genre, you know? That sort of, yeah, the the most, the, the idea of choice, oh, giving dude, you come actual on. everlasting choice, even though you could cheat in the games, of, uh, the books, of course, and you go, well, that's not could. my option. But, of she could. Yeah, and but that's where then, video but, games differ. <laughs> But then, my brother, that choice evolved into a landscape that was far more difficult to cheat in. And, of course, I still found ways to do it. But, you know, human duplicity aside, uh, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, D&D. Yeah. So, for me, there was a real clear path into, um, you know, these open, fantastic worlds, you know, where I had choice, where... Um, if I rolled a certain number, man, the outcome was significantly different. Like the, the the DM would be going, oh, sorry, dude, you know, this is what's happened now. Um, and that was part of its charm. That was part of, it was just brilliant. Um, oh, man, seminal, seminal games like that. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking Car Wars, dude. I went yeah. deep. It was just I so sad. That, no wonder yeah. I couldn't find, what was the word? A girlfriend. <laughs> and, then of, and then, of course, dude, so I carry all these experiences into these open world games. So when I when I unbox a game, you know, and this is I suppose a caveat to all our wonderful listeners, that's why I'm so passionate about it. It's why I'm either so and, and you're the same, G Fresh. We mm. met and we were able to have these same turgid arguments because we carry these experiences which create our needs and what we need in a game now so when people are walking past us at work in the corridor and you and i like god damn it man and just taking these apart they're just going why are these enough enough still talking about a video game 
well, this is a bit of an explanation. You know, we bring so many uh, experiences and expectations into it. Um, and for me, point to seemingly pointless tangent is, dude, I just, all of those needs were fulfilled when I walked out of that vault, cousin. Yeah. And yep. just every interaction going forward, I really don't remember being disappointed much at all. No. At all. No, that was a hell of a game, that one, Ben. And and, they, and of course, they did number four sort of recently set in a more Boston-esque wasteland. You and they what? gave you a building mechanic. They gave you a lot of functionality there. But, oh, man, if I hear Preston tell me that there's a problem at one of my farms one more time, he's getting the bullet. I tell you what, it was annoying. <laughs> you <laughs> like, see, this is, this is the problem, you know. I... I've got a job. I don't want another job. Like that's I don't want a right. game that feels like a goddamn job. That's yeah. why that's why, Cuzzy, I used to get stressed and sweaty with some of those Sims games. I was like, oh, the factory's running out of resources. It's <laughs> like I've got a job, man. Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm clocking on. There is something about that though, and I'll reference it really quickly. A lady named Jane McGonagall who wrote a book called um, Reality is Broken. She's actually got a really excellent uh, TED talk as well. So Jane McGonagall Ooh. talking about how games can make us better people. And she has four definitive, oh. um, you know, answers to this. And one of them is directly in result to what you just said um, about micromanagement. You see, I love the micromanagement of all of these sort of things. And she yes. calls this blissful productivity. I am happiest when yeah. I am active. It's not my body, I guarantee you that, but when my mind is firing and I'm going, okay, so I need to get that to get this and then this happens, oh no, there's a fire over there, I've got to take care of that. Like, dude, that's when I'm busiest, but I'm relaxing doing this. It's 100%. a bizarre way to relax, isn't it? But, you know, that's what makes us incredibly handsome, I suppose. Oh, <laughs> so that's how I quantify that, dude. Like, I get it, 100%. mate. You walk, in, you walk into my home and you'll go, Jesus, Peebos, your house looks like a, a war zone. But if I take you into like you know when when I've become the the archmage of the majors guild and the little room that I get, you know that's just so well organized. I know, like my I know. herbs are there, my crystals are there, yeah. my staff, all the staffs that I've got are all in a bloody line, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like it's <laughs> none it's of that blends to real life for me either. Like as you say, oh, yeah, I'm good at money in video games, but not in real life, man. I am methodical. I torture. I torture my my main gaming buddy. I, I torture him because in the digital gaming world I'm anus gerolitis I'm so anal like if I say I say to him oh I said we were going to be on at seven and he's like dude it's 12 past seven on a Saturday night I've just had my dinner just relax and I'm like <laughs> I'm like I'm like absolutely like snippy for about the first five minutes I'm like I said seven o'clock like just, <laughs> yeah you know, no no I get that man it's hey. crackers my bro but I mean you know that that for me was was it was a uh, the pinnacle again and and then it, and then yeah four four sucked dude i just yeah and and you know what we, we we knew it pretty quickly much like much like a movie the auteur can watch a movie and within the first i reckon 6 or 7 minutes go oh, this is going to yeah, suck you can see a where that's gamer going. can put fallout 76 or whatever it is into the tray start playing and go oh this is not what I signed up for. This is <laughs> yeah, poo. Um, yeah, you know, mostly yeah. with that game for the fact that it just wouldn't even load. Yeah, glitching. Well, but um, yeah, man, th that was it for me for Fallout. 
Yeah. Really well, did. one thing I think, because I didn't mind Fallout 4 necessarily, because it was a little bit, as you said, number three was really sepia, it was really brown. I don't want to build, Whereas number four man. was actually kind of, you didn't have to, you didn't actually have yeah, to, but you know. It's better if it you was, do. It is better if you do. But this time they added a little bit more color. There was actually some trees or some greenery. It was a little bit of a better part of the wasteland. But what sure. got me, and this is something that will hold me back, and I know we're going to discuss another Beth- Bethesda game uh, soon. Games. But, yeah. uh, thank you. But... The fact is that Bethesda's engine that they make these games from is old now, and they're still making games with it. And what comes with that is inexcusable load times. Yeah. I don't want to do it. If you accidentally press X and go into a room where you've already been. Oh, no. The oh, door takes Jesus, 40 minutes to man. open. I'm yeah. waiting to go. And I'm just going to come straight back out. And then you've got an even longer load screen because it doesn't have to load the room. It has to load the whole damn world. I know, man. No. Unforgivable. And fast traveling, that's not fast. That's, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even close. You know? Like for those that don't know what fast traveling is, you select a point on your map, you click on it, and you warp there basically, warp, instead of having yeah. to traverse warp, and though. walk there. Yeah. No, you got enough time to have a cup of tea and maybe even write your own memoirs before you even get back to the wasteland. And Dude. by the time we were playing Fallout Four, unfortunately, sometimes the ass would just fall out of the game and you'd have to reload everything. You know, and I'm uh, not doing that. Not again. No good game breaking stuff for me. Thanks, Bethesda. No yeah, more. I, no more. Yeah. Well, well, there are there are conversely there. Are are some amazing game engines that have gone on you know strong for years you know i'm thinking like the havoc game engine i'm thinking unreal yeah, yeah. but you're right even those they've all been updated they've all been superseded by yeah. know, later later iterations and, and, and I, just sort of I don't know is that what you're suggesting was was where bethesda rent went wrong instead of trying to produce another you know game to sell people maybe just make sure that your your next engine is ready for the next evolving yeah. platforms yeah it went from ps3 era to ps4 era and the engine hadn't changed and that's sort of baffling, you know. Yeah, so textures were a little is. bit better. It was graphically a bit better, volumetric lighting and all this sort of stuff. But no, fell flat on its ball sack, I'm afraid. And just no, what a bummer. Um, I got, I got, I got quite mad at that dude. You know that that quintessential game developer executive. You know how he was getting up at his name, at, Todd uh, Howard. Yeah, yeah. I got really mad at Todd. It was just like Todd, you need to call the fire brigade regarding the flames on your pants because you are a liar sir (laughs) yeah exactly that doesn't fly anymore dude does it at all like we're too smart there's too many other options as well you're not gonna sit there and go well in a minute it'll be great but nope don't have time for that yeah Yeah, and i mean i hope we are too smart like let's i'm always encouraging younger gamers to just vote with your wallet don't don't buy this stuff. Don't don't rush out. Don't have that the 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 dangling carrot of the pre-order. You know, pre-order to yeah. me these days just means we're going to make you buy something that's not finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, you exactly, know? you're going to get a glitchy unfinished nugget, and then you've got to wait for updates. And they might be fifty gig. And I'm just <laughs> dude. That's right. Era. Yeah. Nah, this is what we're doing. People are just okay with releasing unfinished games now, and it's it's not okay. So weird, man. Would you buy a car that hasn't got wheels and and the yeah, well, that's right. It goes, cool, man. Well, gee, thank you for buying this. And probably in the next couple of months, we'll get a full set of wheels to you. Yeah. It's I mean, it looks just- great, but it's got no seats. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. 
hurts my oh. coccyx. Yeah, it's well, bollocks. But but anyway, aside from our old man rant, Fallout 3, what a beautiful yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's steamroll ahead here. I'm going to mention three in rapid succession. Please. It will make a lot of sense. 1997 was a big year for me. Um, I got a demo of a very particular game on the personal computer, the PC, and it was is a little title called, yeah, it's called Grand Theft Auto is what it was called. Wow. And it was a top-down isometric game, and that was the very first game that I can remember where you had freedom to do kind of what you wanted. You could walk, you could steal a car, you could run them over, you could do whatever you wanted, and it created such a furor, of course, that, you know, because it's maiming, it's actually revolting what you're doing, but you could do it. You didn't have to do it. They weren't (laughs) telling you to, but you did actually get rewarded with money (laughs) for running over a bunch of dudes. But- Quickly off yes. the back of that, right? And because there was another, there was another sequel, still isometric and top down, and sort of little mechanics had changed. There was gangs involved, and you could work for either, and it pissed the other guys off if you did, etc. Factions, but, yeah, they kind of exact factions, didn't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, which they've dropped considerably later on. But there was a game, and most people think that two thousand and one, right, was when Grand Theft Auto three was released. Now that was the first three D iteration oh, of the dude. Grand Theft Auto franchise, and that was groundbreaking it changed the world as we know it it had colored lighting and an amazing you know every car you hopped in had a different soundtrack going on it was just remarkable and open world as hell you do what you want you kind of still run people over but it was a more formulaic (laughs) sort of a formula right um you're always gonna run people over well of course man this is what we do um but just a little honorable mention to a game called driver 2 which is, oh, wow. I think good, it was by Reflections, call. right? And 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 it, it is the second one. The first one was a, a bit of a driving epic, incredibly hard. It was a little bit like Bullet and Ronin for the amazing sort of uh, car chases that you would have. But number two totally. was an open world. It was in 2000, and it was the first game, 3D game, as far as I know, to have you get out of your car, allowing you yeah. to get into another car, which preceded Grand Theft Auto, uh, by two years. This is that was when it first yeah. happened, and that changed everything. If Driver Two hadn't happened, I almost guarantee that you know um, Number Three, the entry of Grand Theft Auto, may not have been the game that it was. So I'm just giving a little humble shout to Driver Two for letting me get out of my car for the very first time and stealing another. But you were a cop in that, so you pulled out your badge. It wasn't just ripping them out of the, uh, you know, banging their head against the driver uh, the steering wheel. Commandeering. Out. You were yeah. commandeering a vehicle. Thank you. Yes. I think is the yes. official term. But, so just to clarify, which of yeah. those two goes into your Qantas line? Oh, it's number three. <laughs> GTA 3. Yeah. For yeah, the revolution yeah. that it was. The other iterations, such as um, what came after that? Vice City, then San Andreas, then GTA 4, uh, and then, of course, GTA 5, which is being going to be spanning across three generations of game consoles. Like, that's and, incredible. And considering, considering what these guys have done, these guys obviously being rock stars, as you mentioned, yeah, GTA, GTA 3 was 2001. I mean... You know, two de- bordering on two decades ago, and to, and to consider that um, you know GTA Five to this day has ar- has arguably one of the most healthy online communities. Yes, um, still does. Um, and I and, and I I I probably I'm glad you mentioned that because G- GTA Five is is probably doesn't fit in my Qantas queue, but definitely was in my we've we've got to mention. 
um, to think that you know, <laughs> to think that GTA Five was 2013. Yeah, dude. Yeah, seven years ago. So, like seven years ago, yeah. brother. Yeah, and that's and, and uh, you know, I I jumped on not long ago. It's fun as hell. It doesn't. Maybe it's could be my age, but I'm not really taken out of it by the by the lack of graphic fidelity. It it looks okay. It doesn't look terrible by any means. I don't think. Um, but just the fact that oh yeah, man, I'm gonna go over there, run across the road, just punch someone as I go, just for just for you know funds. I'm gonna run over there. I'm gonna jump into that uh, helicopter. And I'm just gonna fly. I'm gonna fly across there, jump out of the thing. I'm not even gonna, you know. Um, I remember I remember at one point when I was playing that being attacked by a dude or followed by a dude and I was like, I wonder if I could shoot him out of that thing. Bam, shoot him sure out can. of the thing. You he know? Sure can, yeah. Yeah, what a massive game too. And, and like it's so big. Not to take away from San Andreas, I think is technically bigger on the uh yes. on the, the PS2 generation, but um this was set in the same state, really, and it really set the tone it's actually so lived in it is so rich with uh you know npcs all going about their daily routines etc and you just messed that up by you know what i would do eventually like because i I just want to see how the ai in this game would work because there's so many i don't know how they program this by the way it's actually baffling but if you block off you steal yourself a bus drive away till the cops aren't on you block off a highway as you do and then just as you do stand on top and see what happens the drivers will sit there patiently but there will be one guy that's like well this isn't good enough he'll get out and try and get you he'll try and drive around you and then chaos just ensues totally wow man the level of freedom of approaching that you know is phenomenal and the fact that you got to control three characters in number 5 that's something that people know, can, seem to forget and they each had an element of um, how you how people they perceive will play Grand Theft Auto so you've got Michael and he's a bit more of the uh, the money maker he's a he's a businessman you know he's a nefarious yeah. jewel thief and then you've got Franklin who's like the gangbanger from um, you know San Andreas so he's a bit more of a carjacker fast driving dude and then yeah, Trevor yeah, yeah. Trevor, oh Trevor, the chaotic, <laughs> oh, Trevor. unhinged dude who sort of summarizes GTA in a lot because you mentioned earlier about just walking over the road and punching a guy in the face. That is Trevor's yeah. MO. He you were allowed Trevor. to do that as Trevor, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, man. That's that's Trevor's default setting, isn't it? It really, it really is. is. And I mean, sort of going back to what we'd originally talked about in terms of an open world, like you can just go and walk into a store and buy a different suit and have a conversation, random conversations with people on the way. Um, it was just, it was just so much fun. But I agree with you for for the you know Hall of Fame Qantas Lounge entry is actually in fact GTA Three, not GTA Five, yeah. because just because there's. I mean, driver nudged towards it, but my gosh, man, GTA Three kicked the universe open, kicked the door open, and I, I, I would, I would say, influenced open world games yes. ever after. One hundred percent, and that's the gimme because when that entry, that first three D entry into this world, it wasn't just inspired or any of this; it perfected it immediately. It was yes. instantly gratifying and instantly, oh my god! Well, that's the benchmark from here on out, and so it earned the moniker everything else that came out after that like there was a couple like true crime and and, and other sort of car drivey steely sort of endeavors they were called gta clones gta you know they 
perfected it. I can't say that any better than that. Like, absolutely unequivocally, you know. And later iterations just made it much nicer and shinier and a lot more to do. But i got to give a shout-out to the guys that created the uh, the soundtracks to all of these games because oh my they Lord. have introduced me to some of my favourite music of all time by just cruising around. And now they've got an hour and a half of content with full DJs um, across, I think, GTA 5 has 15 to 20 stations with an hour and a half content on each. Dude, yeah. that includes ads, introductions, blah, 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 the whole skits, thing. and then music amidst it. Wow. That's almost a thing in itself. The best soundtracks of all time are Grand Theft Auto, unequivocally, in my mind. Well, it's, it's, it's like, I think, another commonality with all of these worlds. It just feels like they're going on when you're not in them. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing we're talking about with the living, breathing world, man. Like, yeah. it is still happening. Those pedestrians are still just wandering into the street and being hit by buses, you know. Yeah. And it's wonderful yeah. fun, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think the first time you see uh, an NPC with his own idea about what's going to happen, he might even wow. try and rob you. It's like, wow, okay, did you, did you realize that I'm the yeah. protagonist here and you yeah. watch what happens, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm Batman, talk. dude. I'm going to snap you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> by all means, come. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> You start it, I'll finish it. That's it. Well, bro, what a what a what an epic what an epic f- discussion. I mean, I'm going to uh, I'm going to open the box now, my friend. For please, I didn't know again. it was shut, but go on, yeah. Well, it's never shut with us, is it, dude? Um, <laughs> no, sir. So we're going to travel to the world of Nim, Ooh. Um, and in particular, two regions. Now, brother, I'm wondering. If I can possibly posit these as two games, you know, potentially three for one slot. Let's do it. Bearing in mind, and my my argument is that we are sort of focusing on the open worlds. So I'm going to posit to you the world of NIM, which incorporates um, two two regions, one being Tamriel and the Mm -hmm. other one being Skyrim. Ooh. So let's let's start with and I and I'm pretty sure you're going to have another another mention but I'm I'm going to start with the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um oh, wait, yeah. what did, what Cuzzy, what do you say about that? Now I've gone on my rant about my progression from cheating with choose your own <laughs> adventures yeah. um into casting casting dice and and, and avoiding any a- attention from females. Um this to me, particularly the Elder Scrolls, was oh my god! I get to play D and D in a game. The stuff that I imagined, brother, the way that I feel like tunnels looked, or what it's like to hold a hold a flaming torch and a sword, dude. They gave yeah. it to me in a game. Yeah. And- Wow. Look, man, I first saw that on the uh, Xbox 360. I was a PlayStation aficionado and had not yet delved into the new generation with the PS3. And at one time, that was actually completely exclusive to the Xbox. Yes, so it was. So in my mind, that was something, oh, my God, I'm never going to play. And then when I first saw someone playing it and I saw the trees, oh. man, they've got leaves. They rustle and they move in the breeze. I'd never seen that before. And everything yeah. was so shiny. It was a volumetric lighting and, you know, elven ruins would almost glow and you go, oh my God, I need to go there instantly. Oh, and absolutely you can. they would glow. Yeah. Unbelievable. And man. there'd like, be a there'd be a sound design that would go with everything and it was just oh like it was it was 
Yeah, it was like being in the best game of D&D that you've ever played. Now, I don't know if you... I'm assuming it's pretty safe to say that you remember what that's like. Um, It's probably only a small percentage of the population that know what it's like to be in a room, you know, casting dice with a really skillful dungeon master. For those playing at home that haven't done this sort of thing, how would you just briefly describe the, the dungeon master, G? Uh, the god, basically, of the the endeavor, the dungeon master orchestrates, narrates, and governs the universe in which you inhabit. Um, and attempting to, you know, you get a good one, you get a bad one, but a really good one will lead you well. You know, give you challenges along the way. Bad ones will not do so and just give you free reign. And so I think a little bit more shoehorning uh, in, in the divisiveness of conjuring such a world is really, really important there. Fantastic. So, so yeah, thank you for describing that because I knew you'd do it well and I'd butcher it. But imagine being in a room, you got, you might have candles and tunes and some sort of atmospheric thing going on, listeners, because G Man, as we speak, is salivating. And you're with a skillful dungeon master, you know, who is describing the crack in the door through which you can, you know, see X amount. You know, you can see the pile of gold and perhaps a thing that might look like a dragon's talon. What do you want to do? Dude, you know those moments when you were so into the game, you were so having so much fun, you had your snacks, you're sitting there with your buddies. Brother, 99.99% of Elder Scrolls Oblivion were like that for me, cousin, mm-hmm. and I will be forever grateful. I'm feeling that, man. That Like, oh. for instance, like when you're cruising around just doing your thing, you do have a quest and all of a sudden you see something, it looks like a cave or it might be a building and you're like, Dude. oh my God, I'm going to go in that immediately. And of you get so rewarded, you know. And I got to say, there was a game-breaking thing that happened to me when I was playing Oblivion for the first time. Uh, like game breaking, I actually had to stop it. Is I got um, <laughs> I bought a house in one of the towns. Um, I can't remember what town it was. But first time you're a homeowner. Yeah, it was pretty. That was exciting actually. God, it took a long time. Dude. I do so many quests and all the yarls wanted some help. And anyway, but so what happened was um, I got bitten by a vampire in the middle of the night. I just went Dude, to sleep I, in my house, oh my and God, so I got I've bitten by a vampire. And um, I'm like, oh, well, that's not very good. I'd rather walk around in the daytime, if you wouldn't mind, because, of course, the vampirism, you can't walk around in the day, you take damage. Anyway, so I endeavoured on a quest to cure my vampirism. There's a witch in the woods that you're supposed to go to to get a few items for. She wasn't there, and she was never there. That was it for me. I'm like, well, I don't want to be a... But the fact that that could happen, that was something. You know, that was like true open world sort of thing. It felt like an isolated incident, but everyone's been turned into a vampire, it seems. Can I just go on you with that journey? I had that exact same thing happen to me, right? Yeah. To the point where I restarted or I, oh no, no, no. I went back to a previous save because on part of that mission, it's like, oh, we need you to go clear out a cave of unknown magician cult peoples yeah. who turned out to be a vampire, yeah? That's it. Vampires. And that's where you contract it, yeah? Dude- I had a previous save just where I happened to be about to go into the entrance. I cannot tell you how many times I retried that cave dungeon. <laughs> and yeah. any time they got a hit in, I just went, well, that's it. The bloody vampire now. And I just 
shut it down and start again. Reboot. Totally, dude. Totally. Trying to sit back, shooting arrows from a distance, using up all my distance spells, fire. Of course, they were super powerful because they were freaking vampires. Um, but yeah, man, what a the it's it's been a while since you've just cared so much. Been a while since you've gone into such depth. Uh, in in a, in a sword and sorcery type game, um, and you know the, f- the fact that you could buy a house and do all of that sort oh, of stuff. I know. But we mentioned we mentioned being able to dictate your own tempo, right? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've played through that game and done different characters, and that's the that's the whole point, isn't it? There's all these different races that you can choose to be with different attributes, weakness. I mean, come on. Man, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've restarted it, and even, even you know, years later, and just new stuff happened, new plot lines, yeah. new areas that I didn't know about, and like I alluded to before, I am a completionist, so I have a go. <laughs> yeah, um, but being able to dictate your own tempo. So I remember, I think, just start on my second playthrough, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do exactly what we talked about before. I'm going to go clear a few dungeons first, man, amass some gold, get some experience points, level up, buy some better weapons. And that was fun in itself, you know, like trying to clear an entire dungeon was hard, yeah. man. Give yourself a meta mission, dude. Yeah, You start out like this anemic little turd that can't, you know, gets beaten up by skeletons. But, you know, by the end, you are literally a demigod. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Oh, brother. Yeah. That game, man. And, That's and, gorgeous, and, and, isn't it? And while we're in the world of Nim, uh, you know, I've got to mention Skyrim. I can't separate which... Which of these goes into the Qantas Lounge for me? Therefore, I suggest that anything in that world goes in, um, brother. I mean, and, and obviously, you know, Elder Scrolls. It's it's a it, it's a, it's an old game, um, and it probably suffers the most. You try to replay that, and you're a bit like, oh, it's pretty pixely clunky. But yeah, man, one that one that was still playable, you know, for me up until even before they re-released it was Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've. I don't think I've done my last playthrough yet, even still. That was the reward that I gave myself. Before I got a PlayStation 4, I had to finish Skyrim on PS3. That was my mission. Like, I had to do it. Gee, I raced through it. I mean, I had to kill um, Aldi when he was a real dick, by the way. But that that was the thing. Like, you know, as you say, like, when you're creating your character, there are so many races. You can just change your gender and do all this sort of stuff on the fly. But I spend more time in the character generation than ever before in this game because you can tweak their nose, you make sure everything's right, and you do all this and the hair and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you realise after hours of tweaking, you've created an accidental monster. I'm like, oh, I better start again. (laughs) You know, it's phenomenal and I'm still happy to do it, man. So I'll do it again. It's what we're talking about though. Even that bit was fun. Yeah, it was. Anyone who's played that game to any regard did not just create a character in two minutes and run straight into the game. They didn't. No way did they. Or if they did create a character and run straight into the game, there's a correlation, strong correlation, in my opinion, between them and not even finishing the game. It's like you didn't do it. Yeah. You know, you didn't. You didn't become the archmage. No, you, know, that's you right. didn't. Didn't even join the guild, mate. You didn't get. <laughs> you weren't in <laughs> like, charge of the Dark yeah. Brotherhood. You got no idea. Yeah. You know. But- that was one of the things, like on the richness of the world, oh. it was just 
gorgeous to inhabit though, wasn't it? Like you go in a straight line and there's always a meandering river to look at where there's a little something secret. There's a mine to be, you know, cleared out. But it was sort of, I think, when I first yeah. came Going over the ridge the and mountains. saw White Run. I think the <gasps> yes. town of White Run. Oh, my God. God, it was just straight out of Lord of the Rings, man. You could see the the, the riders of Rohan cruising around there, and 100%. my goodness, man. Yeah, to- Tolkien-esque. Yeah. I mean, yeah, going up to get your first, unlock your first shout, you know, traveling up to seeing, seeing those, uh, those old- The old gray school, beards. Yeah. The gray beard, you know, druid dudes, like just straight out of the, straight out of the, you know- Raymond E. Feist could have written That's right. it, you know, yes, Tolkien. Exactly. It was just incredible. And and when you think about it, you go back and you think, oh, yeah, Alduin is sitting in these mountains, like right up the top there. Yeah. Um, That's I, amazing. I, I, I won't go on too much about it other than to say that this game in particular, so both of these games took me to my biggest extremes. Like I said, I'm a completionist. Elder Scrolls Oblivion took me to the point of needing to go to rehab for completionism. <laughs> yeah. Those goddamn nern roots. Oh, oh, they're hard to find, those rats, aren't they? I don't yeah. Those sweet bell sounding little little medicinal plants. I'm pretty sure I hunted down every freaking one, cousin. Just hours, <laughs> hours, hours. Even using the clunky fast travel. Got to yeah. go near water. Where's the nearest body of water? Oh, better go down there. There might be a might be a noon route. Oh, dude, yeah. come on. Like and but the other extreme it took me to. Skyrim gave me my biggest wow moment, moment I think in any video game I've ever played. Oh. Pray tell, sir. It was I think it's when you're cruising across from White Run. I think you're going, yeah, you know, no. you're basically out in the open, man. And the first time that a dragon comes down and you fight a dragon, it was, <laughs> oh, and I mean, it starts off like you, you know, like you can hear something coming, and and you know you you're so in the game. Party is going. That's a sound. Gee, that sounds like a. I wonder if that's a dragon. Is that a dragon, dude? Next thing you turn around and it's on you. Yeah. Talk about talk about being in two places at once. Like for me, man, I'm in the game, but then part of me is just going. I'm fighting a dragon. Like. I just- <laughs> Yeah, and that's it. And the soldiers will oh, come out to help, and they're shooting their little arrows at it, and they're just bouncing off. That's a Dude, hell of a scene, isn't it? Like it that really was is. honestly yeah. my greatest wow. And then when you slay it, and he collapses oh. with perfect body flop, and then just disappears into bones, and you absorb that guy's power. Yes. Ha! Yes, I know it well, friend. I know it well. Oh, that's brother. crazy, isn't it? I know. Honestly, my biggest... Big my biggest wow moment ever in gaming. Now, cousin, I feel like you do have a suggestion that also occupies this universe or this world, and I know that we've talked about it before. And it's it's um, you know if you don't mind me preempting you, you and I have talked about Morrowind many many times. I mean, where do you stand? Does does Morrowind sort of nudge the queue? Oh, goodness, yes. An enormous game. Like, you know, that was the first time I saw um, NPCs having day-night cycles. Like, in the very first mission in the very first town, and you've got to meet this dude at midnight. Like, you've got to come back you've at midnight. You've got to go there at I'm midnight, like, yeah. What? What do you mean? It's 11 yeah. in the morning. What do I do? So, yes. you know, you actually, and then all of a sudden you're there, and here he is walking around, and he's 
finally meets you. So, yeah, that was pretty groundbreaking in a lot of ways too. And being able to name your own spells and all this sort of stuff, it was pretty phenomenal. I spent a lot less time in that than I did in the other iterations much later. Same. But I do remember thinking that it, Morrowind was pretty cutting edge in terms of visuals for its time. Yes. I do remember that. I remember l- playing that game and going, Jesus, this looks, you know, this looks amazing to me. And you know, you know a game universe is serious about time when it adds uh, – do you want to wait? How long do you want uh, to yeah, wait? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Because you can wait for 14 hours if you want. You want to wait? <laughs> Just in this one spot in the middle of town, <laughs> staring blankly. Yeah. But I think the biggest moment for me in that game was when I, you know, I, I took – I realized that I was in an open world. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going to go – the way that it doesn't want me to go because in video games generally that's where something's hidden you know when the camera's obscuring where you know something that's where the thing is hidden so I thought oh bugger it I'm going to go left instead of right where it was telling me to go in no more than four minutes I'm walking through this forest of more enormous mushrooms like wow this is impressive actually I love this I'm going to go over there and then this lizard slash velociraptor appears clearly not my level he's going to absolutely destroy me and I find myself running back to town to my extreme surprise and horror the dude just waited for me outside of this door this building i was waiting i'm like cool i'm gonna wait in here for a second surely as i know he will despawn because that's no. what things do no he waited there for me and it was the worst game i ever played after that <laughs> it was just like me in a room you know so I, I shortly gave up because it actually wasn't my console at the time but um yeah no i get the i get it man i get the appeal and it makes sense because the lizard's just gone i've seen you run in there man i'll just yeah. wait You'll yeah, come I know. In. I could, I could come move? down the chimney, but yeah, I'm just going to stay here. Is that all you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, exactly. I, I agree with you. That was, um, yeah. So that that whole world, that whole universe, brother. I, I, it's probably the first one on my list where I must insist that that gets a spot. Yep. Well, I like that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to say okay. You know, um, I feel like we're running short on time here, so um, let's. I want to bash out. I want to give an honourable mention to um, a beautiful, a beautiful series of games, but in particular, um, one that I really enjoyed inhabiting was The Witcher 3 Wildlands, of course, yes. based upon the novels of a particular Andre Sapowski, whom, which they've made a TV series just recently with uh, Henry Cavill in it, which was very fine. It was pretty well, that's damn it, that's, that's That's interesting to me because I haven't done the series. Like, So okay. you're, you're, you're saying it's eight? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because this fantasy world is sort of like a scary place where it's like your old school fairy tales and monsters are in fact real, like griffins and all sorts of little creepy goblins and things like that that inhabit this world. It's a horrible place to be. And you play Geralt of Rivia, a renowned and famous witcher whose job is to hunt down and kill monsters. And it's fantastic. But the world itself, oh, I'd not seen a draw distance like that in my time. You can see exactly where you can go. And even in the background, the trees, even kilometers away, waving in the breeze. And it was just gorgeous to look at. It was muddy. It was bloody. It was, you know, peasants versus demons. And you've got to try and help them. And... Goodness me, for a series of choices too, the the choices in the storyline that Geralt was given, they're not black and white like they are, as we mentioned earlier, with Fallout. Like you've got, do you blow up the town or do you not? Either of the choices that you were to make in this game were both, oh God, 
collateral damage. Oh, I don't yeah. feel like any of these are beneficial, but let's just go for that. It's like, yep, cool. You killed a guy and he's never coming back. It's like, oh, well, I wonder what the other version was. It's as bad. But all the decisions are gray as hell. There just isn't that stark contrast between good and bad. So yeah. that was a really, really lovely thing to have. And um, there's a few little, a really couple of lovely little tidbits, a, a few um, little nods to pop culture all the way through it. Like you come across this glade at one point where there's a cave and you just see it littered with bodies like they are eviscerated and torn apart and then you're like okay well clearly i'm gonna go in there for some treasure and some action and then you get to the mouth of the cave and right there is a little white bunny with red around its mouth just hopping around and it's for our dearest people out there who of course have seen monty python's holy grail where the the killer rabbit where they need the holy hand grenade a lovely little shout out and one of the only videos that i've actually got on youtube is a moment where i was walking through the baron's castle and underneath you hear a couple of soldiers some npcs just talking and one of them says well better bring out the gimp <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And the other says, but the gimp's sleeping. And then the other guy says, of course. Well, I guess you better go and wake him up now, won't you? Like, oh my God. And it, dude, so a little shout out to our Pulp Fiction there. What a lovely little way to, you know, sneak us in and give us a little nod and, hey, thanks for playing. You, you guys are great. So The Witcher gets an honorable mention for me, man. For just, definitely definitely yeah. an honorable mention for the world because, again, you can engage with the major plot lines. You could go cruising yeah. anywhere you see you can go. Yeah. But also an interesting character because he's kind of – I guess he comes under anti-hero status because yeah. despite essentially that he's doing good things, um, he's not very popular with the with the townsfolk no, or the people. He's self-serving. You know? It's all about money. He's not there right. to do the right thing. He's like – the people ask you, please save my son. He's fallen into the well. And says, how much is it? You know, you're always charging, and there's something quite, quite lovely and he, about that. You know, he he might be that kind of that walking example of you know, be careful in the act of fighting monsters that you don't become one. one. Like he's yeah. he's, you know, he's not he's not an awesome dude, but you know, we feel we feel drawn and interested to his to his story. Um, yeah. Speaking of and trying to keep things moving. Speaking of my final of my five um, is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Ooh la la! Now, Tom Clancy. Talk, Tom Clancy. So talk about um, talk about a game where if you can see it, you can go there. Yeah. Um, this is possibly the the most recent and best example that I've ever experienced in a game. Um, set in set in Bolivia, and you know, obviously, um, the Bolivians have mixed feelings about how they've been represented in this <laughs> yeah. game, and you know, I get that. But cousin, like you, you, you're really just limited to the to the vehicle. So you know, you can. A guy I play with loves to do base jumping, and he's really good at it. I can't seem to do it. I seem to be, you know, challenged in that regard. So, you know, I would play the role of the guy, uh, you know, flying the chopper. It's literally there are these rocks and platforms that are just, you know, they're almost like uh, Looney Tunes esque in terms of it's very obvious that you just really should get up here and jump off here with a parachute, skydive over Bolivia. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're just limited by going, okay, well, what's the nearest base that's got a helicopter? Okay, we'll break in there, shoot people, take their helicopter and yeah. fly up to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've, again, I've never, you know, I, I often replay it much like you alluded to before, just for the mayhem. Like I'll just get in there and jump into a world and just, 
I'll start some stuff. Um, you know the 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 NPCs. Um, you know they they're pretty they're pretty clever. Like they'll they'll try to flank you. They'll you know they're not they're not super brainy, but um, so much fun. A really compelling storyline. I found a really interesting storyline, but also really suits my needs. Um, for co-op, like most mm. of the ways that I approach gaming these days with, with this sort of spaces in co-op, like I reckon that's where they really open up. So just being able to grab a couple of buddies, steal some cars, boats, jet skis, you know, helicopters and fly around Bolivia shooting at drug lords is my idea of a good time. Dude, and that's the free will. That's the free choice and the free roaming aspect that we're talking about and your ability to approach any situation in any way that you deem fit. You know, that's what it's really all about, isn't it? It's that freedom of choice that I find that, you know, Mario Brothers didn't give you much of that. What you need to do in that, please, would you mind moving right for the whole game? Let's go right. If you go back, you can't. It stops there. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. having that freedom of choice is really where it's at, man, you know? You know, c- c- call, of, call of Duty being the being a great example and and I really enjoyed the last campaign but it's pretty much you're going down this line you're on oh, this treadmill yeah it's corridor um, it's set piece after set piece and it's very exciting it is a Jerry Bruckheimer film that goes for 8 hours but there's yeah. no choice you know no. you don't go left or right you go straight through that's right. And I mean, um, there's quite often, you know, sections where there's just that, you know, we've all experienced it in video games, that not that invisible wall of just like, nope, sorry. I know I know you've got graphics of rocks and trees there, but no, you can't go over there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's getting, to be honest with you, that's getting weird in games for me. It's like, oh, okay. How so do you just- limit the person's thing? Often what happens is you get to like an invisible wall and it says, uh, please stay within the mission area. I'm like. Oh, okay, that's pretty fair. I could go over. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, when yeah, is it going to stay end, within though? the area yeah. of operations? I get that. I've got one curiosity and one honourable mention. One honourable mention for me would be Batman: Arkham City. Yes, lovely for traversal almost alone. It's very exciting. Again, for traversal, you can just carve around. You can just do stuff. I mean, mainly the stuff that you can do is just beat the crap out of gangs. But, you know, that was that was an interesting one. Probably doesn't qualify quite as an open world, but really, you know, isn't, isn't exactly on rails. The other curiosity that I have is, uh, you know my love for a game called PUBG. Yes, I do. I don't know if open world is the right terminology but a very very large map called Arangel. yeah yeah and i, I haven't look forward, into that world myself well this is yeah. what i was about to say i look forward to jumping into this world with you um that's right punters we we will be uh engaging in this world together so stay stay tuned for that one you jump out of a plane you choose where you go you choose what you do. Um, admittedly, there's no storyline or anything that you need to do, but I wonder. I wonder where big, big, big maps in battle royales fit into this. So yeah, it's a contentious issue, isn't it? I don't know if it's a true entry. I think it's more it's of a not sandbox. An entry. Like yes. it's a sandbox, really, isn't it? You're given all these tools, and off you go and have fun. There's no That's real right. direction. You create the game as you see fit, which, yeah. in then again, essence is a free roaming experience. I mean, you are limited to following the decreasing circle size that you've yes. got to go into. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, cousin. But um, yeah. So can I to wrap up? Let's attempt to wrap up. 
which we're never very good at doing. What have you got? Come on. Well, I've got I've got three things that I need to say ever so quickly first. I need to shout out to Guerrilla Games Horizon Zero Dawn for being one of the most oh, gorgeous things to look at on the you. planet. And one of the reasons being that this place is gorgeous is they did a really, really wonderful and interesting technique, a technical technique um, in graphical development. And the I love a technical just, technique. Don't you? Me too. It's so goddamn gorgeous, this game. Like, the lighting is just phenomenal and everything moves yeah. and it's beautiful. But what they did was everywhere that your camera is facing is the only part of the world that they render. So yeah. the places that you're not looking at are derezzed or they don't exist at all. So they can give all the processing power to only what you're seeing and somehow they manage this on the fly like you can run around rotating your camera it's only resing the stuff in front of you but not the stuff behind you it's baffling how they've done this but it makes everything just more vibrant and rich the stuff that you're actually looking at um the other one is uh the 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 quarter scale version of new york that appears in spider-man and um that has there is not many worlds that are more fun to traverse and i've said traversal a lot but you're Spider-Man, you swing and run across walls and do all this. Like, you don't need a car. You're infinitely faster running along walls. It just makes a whole lot more sense. So, you know, the world itself isn't that necessarily engaging. It's beautiful to look at, and there's a lot of verticality because of all the buildings, of course. And tastily, right in the center of um, Manhattan is uh, Avengers Tower. that You can climb up, and you get a trophy for doing it, and it's really bloody great. But, yeah, for traversal. But... My Qantas Lounge entry to round myself up today is No Man's Sky by a small development team named Hello Games. This copped so much flack, so much flack for not delivering what it promised. And admittedly, I'll say Sean Murray and the team you know, puffed it up and almost directly lied about certain things. I agree. They're a small developer. They had, at most at one point, 10 guys working on this, and PlayStation went ahead and said, well, this is the flagship title for the entire generation, and Hello Games went, oh, God, really? We don't know what we're doing. But what they did, what they actually gave you, was the biggest game that has ever existed it is literally the size of 255 actual galaxies. Now, we talked oh. about this in the Kundalini hack a couple of episodes ago, but there are literally at least 18 oh. quintillion worlds, Earth-sized planets for you to explore. Dude, and this is all procedurally generated, as we are talking before, they typed in algorithms, and so when you land on a planet, no one's been there before, not a single gamer has been there, you are seeing this for the first time. It creates wow. creatures procedurally, so you see flying creatures, swimming creatures, animals that don't look like anything else that you've ever seen, um, yes. the biomes, the ecosystems, the day-night cycles, it's all generated, it's real, and just the scope of it, and the... The main mission, really, it's loosest. And they give you, like, get to the center of the galaxy. You're like, what? Which way? It's like, mm, kind of that way. I'm like, okay, off we go. Yeah. And yeah. admittedly, in its defense, um, they have added so many patches. They've patched it and patched it and patched it. It is a vastly different game to what it was. It's a, it's a building okay. game now. It's a terraforming game. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Um, I think most people That's were disappointed because there were actually no cities. There were no big major cities. There were just like little outposts and things everywhere and people wanted trading and all that sort of stuff. It didn't yes. happen. Slowly is happening, but it was too late for some. It wasn't too late for me. And that, just for sheer scope and procedural generation... Man, that is my 
honourable mention into the Qantas Lounge for open worlds, open universes, nay. Wow. My brother. You you see, just through that advocacy alone, I'm willing to go and have another look at it. For me, yeah, for me, I was the guy that was like completely underwhelmed because, uh, I mean, you've made great sense of it. Like I was sold. I was sold that it was going to be essentially Star Trek. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly how they sold Um, it. And I, you know, my feelings about Star Trek. So I went in there. Perhaps if I wasn't sold that, I wouldn't have felt so underwhelmed. But yeah, you raise an epic point, man. It sounds like I need to go back and have another look because, yeah, I started, you know, early adopter having a look at that and it was just kind of like, there's nothing happening. Nothing happens. Well, there was nothing like, to do. There was I no just keep running out of resources, so it goes somewhere and yeah. I dig and I bird to bird to bird. Yeah. But that was felt the thing, a bit like, like having a job. <laughs> yeah, well, that, exactly. And as I said, like if you've got 18 quintillion worlds, Jeez. but nothing on them, yes, what's the that's point? The, great point. That was yeah, the big exactly. point. And I think that's why um, people showed a lot of um, contempt. Mm, contempt is the perfect word, I think. Yeah. But look, I recommend anyone out there that gave it a crack and didn't enjoy it upon first release, get it. Download that thing again. It's only 20 gig or so. Dude, it's phenomenal. And by now, it's been so populated by other people that I actually landed on a planet that someone else had been. And when you categorize something in this wow. world, it gives you the accolade forever. So if someone ever lands on your planet, they go like, oh, G-Man saw that tree and he categorized it. So you you get, and you can name it. You can call it <laughs> the best tree in the universe or whatever you like. You know? This is Gary. Ex- Gary is a tree, you know. It's a phenomenal and phenomenal endeavor. But yeah, it did miss a few marks. So yeah, if we're going to boil it down into our Qantas Lounge, and I don't think five each. I don't think that's, I think that might be a few too many in a way. No, I'm saying that's what I'm We're, trying to, I'm trying oh, to put okay. the thumb, I'm trying to All put right. the thumb screw to you, my brother. Okay. Let's get, let's, uh, let's get five in. All right. Uh, let's well, get them up at the bar. Let's get them chewing some nuts and then let's uh, pull the pin. So, right. well, we've got a little bit of No Man's Sky. Uh, okay. I'm going to enter got, No Man's Sky. Good. I reckon we've got, uh, we've got, what have we got? Have we got Skyrim I slash Skyrim. Elder Skulls? Skyrim, yeah. great. Yeah, I so think that's No Man's Sky, Skyrim. Yep. Have we GTA got- GTA 4, uh, 3, I reckon. That great. sneaks in great. there for 3D yep. endeavors. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, Do we have which, which Red Dead? Ah, uh, look, man, I got I want to give it to two because it's not been done that well ever before. I'm happy with I, that. I, I, I get you nostalgic value, but Jesus, what they did from that as a benchmark, whoa. Wow. Okay. Took it to okay. another notch, man. Okay. Another notch. Um, the last one, is it Fallout 3? Oh, that's a tough call, man, isn't it? Because I, I feel like it's really bethesda as well. It's still got that Bethesda smell to it. But look, man, I can't think of another one that I want to enter, apart from perhaps a Zelda for just in oh, introducing nah, us to the idea of it. Nah, it's Zelda. Yep. It is. It's Zelda. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty good. These are some of the richest, most incredible open worlds that you can ever experience digitally. And I do recommend you all give these a crack, at least for at least 10 hours, because <laughs> that's what the time you need to really get the flesh, you know? Absolutely. It's not just you don't turn it on for five minutes in between, uh, you know, work breaks, or you can. Or you can. All right, my brother. Well, that was uh, that was a joy, and it really does make me want to uh, revisit old worlds and perhaps give a, give a second chance to a to a universe. Uh, so I hope everyone's enjoyed that. 
And uh, look, until the next time, I will say farewell. Leave your favorite open worlds in the uh, in the comment section on Facebook or anywhere you can. That would be just fantastic. And we'll give you a little yes. shout out as well. And um, I think we'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peace out, dudes. Peace. Peace.